Psalm 37 verse 1 says this, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiant like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Amen. Let's pray over our time in the word. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is is so awesome. It's so alive. It's so true. It's so actively working in our lives. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you teach us. Lord, you are the teacher, Lord. Lord, you you are our our guide, our, our counselor. Lord, we ask that you just just break open the word that we can see it in a greater way. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know Jesus more, Lord. Give us, Lord God, supernatural grace to not only hear it, but to apply it to our lives. Lord, help me to present this word clearly. Lord, just we ask for your presence and your power, your anointing to just continue to increase in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of the Psalms uh, in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, some of the Psalms are known as uh, wisdom psalms. They're known as wisdom psalms. Psalm 37 is one of these psalms that is known as a wisdom song. It's called a wisdom psalm because it makes a case for the primary importance of wisdom to instruct readers and in, listen in dealing with questions, issues, and doubts that arise in life. I know in this room tonight, there might be some people, or there are some people, some of us that have questions about the future, the future of our economy, or maybe uh, who's going to be our next president, or who our next president is going to be, or, or how both of these things, this upcoming election and the economy, how, how it's affecting or how it's going to affect our country, and maybe you have some questions about that. I know there are others who have maybe personal issues going on in your life, whether it's relationship issues or finances, again, due maybe to a lost job or a cut in pay. Maybe it's a health issue or some other personal issue in your life. Or maybe you're here tonight and you have more doubt than faith when it comes to these circumstances or some other circumstance that has come up in your life. The wise response to these questions, issues, and doubts, according to Psalm 37, is trusting in the Lord. That's the wise response to the questions, the doubts, and the issues. David says to trust in the Lord three times in these nine verses that we read. Did you catch that? He says to trust in the Lord. He says trust him and those who trust in the Lord. Three times in these nine verses, he says to trust in the Lord. So, Tonight, there, I want to show you from these scriptures that there are five dimensions of trusting in the Lord. And we're going to look at them straight from these scriptures. Tonight, the title of this message is The Wise Response to Life's Dilemmas. 
the wise response to life's dilemmas. And that response is trusting in the Lord. But we're going to look at the five dimensions David lays out right here. The first dimension of trust is we must first renounce envy. We must renounce envy in our lives, in our hearts. Psalm 37, 1 and 2 says this. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon wither away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Envy is the jealous desire to have what others enjoy, which always leads to more sin. We know that envy in itself is sin, right? Jealousy is a sin. It's the jealous desire to have something that someone else has. And when we have envy in our lives, it always ends up to lead to more sin. Look what James says in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't have to ask God for it. So what James is saying about asking God for it is, is that, you know, we, he's saying to trust in the Lord for the things you, you need or the things you desire, not to envy them, not to envy those things in other people's lives or covet those things. Now, as, as the, the economy continues to get worse and worse, this might be a temptation for some of you. It may not be. It might just be a pleasurable thing that you somewhat, you know, might envy somebody else and what they have. It might be a, not even a, a material thing. It might be a, a, their marriage. Maybe you're having struggle in your marriage. You may envy that. Maybe it's, it's you, might, you might envy uh, uh, somebody else's kid's behavior. Because your kids are acting crazy and somebody else's kids are all well behaved. Amen? Come on, y'all laughing because you know it's true. You've probably done that before, right? Because your kids are acting wild and you're like, man, what is what are they doing with that? You know what I'm saying? Whatever the case may be, you know, and, and again, that envy, you know, it's one thing like, oh, man, I'd be, you know, a, a blessing to have that. But again, if it's a jealous desire, it can lead to more sin. And obviously, if we're envying something, we're not trusting the Lord. We're just hoping and wishing we had that thing, that person, that relationship, that job, that, that position, uh, that, it, it, you know, whatever it may be. That it could be, it could be a spiritual, it may be his peace. I, I desire to have the same peace that that person has. And we can envy that. I know, in a sense, I, that's something that I envied before I got saved, but didn't know how to get it. But then I found out that I got it. You can get it only through Christ. But again, I had to ask the Lord. I had to ask the Lord, whatever the case may be. You know, a great way to renounce envy is to be happy for those who have what you desire. That's a great way. Is You know, when you start... Being happy, rejoicing. Romans 12, 15 in the Amplified says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Share others' joy and weep with those who weep. Share in the joy. When some when someone is enjoying something that you desire, and if you feel like you begin to envy that person or desire that, the, one of the greatest ways to break envy is to rejoice and be truly be happy for them. Man, I'm glad the Lord blessed them with this. And you know, in, specifically in this verse, David says not to envy the wicked. Not to envy the wicked. So sometimes we're even envying ungodly, wicked, non-believing, worldly people. 
We're envying what they have. And that's what, that's what David's warning again right here. He's warning against that when we begin to envy worldly, ungodly, wicked people, the things that they have, maybe the possessions are, you know, whatever it may be, their status, their, their figure, their whatever the case may be. And we're going to talk about that, you know, a little more on the danger of that and, and the outcome of those people. Someone once said, and you, I think you've heard me say this, that sometimes it's easier to find someone to weep with you than it is to find someone to rejoice with you. And But you know what? Envy will, will, will ultimately, you know, take us down a road that leads to sin and get us the furthest away from trusting in the Lord, from trusting in the Lord with all our hearts. So no matter how bad things get at home, no matter how bad things get in the economy, no matter how bad things get at your job, with your kids, with your relationship, with your health, you know, again, you know, even that we can envy some, maybe somebody, we've been praying, look, you know, we've been praying a lot for people to get healed, a lot of people with cancer and different things, and somebody might get healed, and, 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 and you've been praying for longer, you know what, rejoice with that person. Truly rejoice. Don't, don't, Lord, why did they get healed and I didn't? Why did, can they have, why do they have kids and, and I don't? You know, just, just try as, as much as you can. Pray and ask the Lord to help you to truly rejoice and be happy with that person. For that person. Amen? So that's the first dimension of trust is we must renounce and get rid of all envy in our lives, especially envying the wicked. Number two. It says, and a lot of us are familiar with this scripture. This is a very popular scripture. People have tattooed this scripture on them and put them on wedding cakes a, a lot. And, 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 and I see why. But number two is delight in the Lord. We must delight in the Lord. And, and, and let's read that. And then we're going to look at what that really means. Delight, uh, Psalm 37, 3 and 4 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's Desire. How many of you have seen that on a wedding cake before at a, at a wedding you've been to? No? One, two, three. Okay. I've seen them on a couple cakes. The antidote, and I said one of them was rejoicing, but really the ultimate antidote to envy is to trust in the Lord. It's trusted in the Lord. So let's go, let's go down this scripture. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Remember we talked at the very beginning about the context of this psalm. To do good means cultivating a devotion to wisdom. That's what he means when he says, trust in the Lord and do good. You're continuing to live and cultivate a devotion to wisdom. You remember, this is a wisdom psalm. He's given us wisdom. So when he says, trust in the Lord, do good, means you're continuing to pursue wisdom. Wisdom is making the right decision at the opportune time. So David's encouraging us, cultivate a devotion to wisdom and doing the right things and making the right decisions. To take delight in the Lord means aligning with the Lord's ways in order to enjoy Him. You might want to write that down. What does it mean to delight in the Lord? It's not just to, it means you, you, it means aligning with the Lord's ways in order to enjoy Him. Another way to put it, I've heard one person say that, that the word delight means to be pliable. You've probably heard me say this a lot too. It means to be pliable, like Plato. So what happens is you're aligning yourself with, with the Lord's ways, with His will. You're allowing Him to make you and mold you into what, 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 um, He wants you to be according to His will, His purpose, and His plan. And then if you do that, He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, there's a lot of desires that we may have that the Lord doesn't answer because it doesn't line up with his will, right? 
So you delighting in him is aligning yourself with him, you know, and, and staying with the, the wedding cake thing. You know, as I was preparing this, I, you know, I realized like for me, I desired to get married and have a family long before I got saved. Quite a few years before I got saved, I desired to get married. And, and, and I remember just being in the world and, and just being in all these relationships and seeing people that, you know, were, 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 you know, getting cheated on left and right. I remember I was, man, how am I ever going to find a woman that I'll be able to trust 100%? How am I ever going to be able to trust somebody to marry them and to, to trust, you know, that she will be, you know, uh, faithful to me and whatnot? Well, around, you know, the time the Lord started stirring me, uh, Pastor Todd, uh, I set up a meeting with Pastor Todd. Actually, I canceled the first one and then, uh, I ended up seeing him at a basketball game later. This was all before I saved and I was, um, under the influence and I saw him and I'm like, Oh man, it's the pastor from my mom's church. I was like, I canceled on him the other day. I was like trying to like duck him, you know, and he saw me and he made a beeline for me. Hey, Brandon, what's going on, man? How you doing? I was like, Hey, hey, pastor Todd, how you, how you doing, man? You know, and I didn't know any of his backstory anyway. So I'm just like, Oh man, you know, and so anyway, I set up another meeting with him and Obviously, he was so gracious to meet with me again. But this was one of the things that came up as he was just, I wasn't saved. I was asking him all kind of questions. And as he says now, what he was doing was every question I answered, it was breaking down a wall to get me closer to the Lord. So I began to tell him about my desire for a wife and for to have a family and to have children. And I, I shared with him what I just shared with y'all. I was like, how, how am I ever going to, you know, be able to find a woman that, you know, that, that I'm able to trust. And he began to explain to me, he said, well, Brandon, you know, you know, women that, that are in the, the world that do end up being unfaithful or men, you know, they, a lot of them, you know, they find that if they can hide it from their husbands, then they can get away with it. But a woman that fears the Lord knows she can't hide anything from God. And I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. That's true. Like, that's great. So I was like, he saw I lit up and I had like so much hope, like, okay, so I need a Christian girl, no doubt. That's what I'm looking for, you know. I didn't say that, but I could tell he he read it on my face. And then he dropped the bombshell on me and he said, well, but Brandon, you can't ask the Lord for that kind of a godly girl if you're going to be a horrible man. And I was like, all right, is this meeting over now? <laughs> that was like a mic drop moment, but it was so good. And the light bulb went off and it's like, you're absolutely right. So I'm saying all that to say what? Well, you know, it took me about a year after that. That meeting right there, finally, so in the Lord had been tugging on me. That's why I was here. But it finally, about a year later is when I came down to the altar, as y'all heard my story right here, and totally surrendered and got radically saved. And then what happened? After I aligned myself with the Lord's will and his ways, my greatest desire came true. Amen? Amen? He gave me my greatest desire. He gave me a God-fearing woman that I, that I can trust, that I know is, is totally, you know, devoted to the Lord and, and, and faithful and, and, and then four beautiful children along the line. So that's, that scripture is definitely, uh, you know, played out in my life. What I desired, the Lord was not about to give me until I lined up, till I was pliable and lined up with His will and His way. That's what another, that's the second dimension of trusting. We got to delight. That's what it means. Basically, delight yourself. Doesn't mean just delight in coming to church and reading the Bible. That's all great. But that word delight, in other words, align yourself with the Lord. Align yourself with his will. Get, get in alignment with him. Get in agreement with him. And then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Because ultimately, if you do that, your desires will be his desires. Amen? Number three, the, the, the third dimension of trusting in the Lord is that, and this is, again, back to the basis, but this is such 
this is crucial. We have to surrender everything to the Lord. In the New Living Translation, it said to commit everything. But, but really, I, I wanted, I like the way the Good News Translation says it. And it says this in, in Psalm 37, 5. It says, give yourself to the Lord. I love that. Give yourself to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Not just commit. Not just submit. I mean, that's, those are good words to commit and submit. But give yourself. That speaks of surrender. Give yourself to him. Surrender everything to him. Because you know what? That word, actually, the word commitment is actually a newer word in the English language. And the word commitment or commit was actually replaced. It replaced the word surrender. And so even though I love the New Living Translation, I love how it reads, and it's a very accurate translation. In this instance, I like the way the good news, that's a better translation. Give yourself, surrender. Because you know why? Commitment, I can make a commitment to you. I can make a commitment to that I'm going to go to Byron's house and help him, you know, paint his shed. But if I commit to going for the weekend, and he has three weekends of work, you know what? I can commit to him, but, but the commitment ends on my terms. You follow that? But when, when I surrender and I say, you know what, man, you could use me as ever long as you need. I'm totally surrendered to your schedule and I'll help you until the job's done. And then you know what? It puts it on his end. You know what? I'm surrendering my, that's what we do with the Lord. You can make a commitment. Well, Lord, I'm going to serve you if yada, yada, yada. Lord, I'm going to serve you while yada. See, the commitment usually falls on iron. Surrender. You, you let go of all commitments. You let go of any clauses, of any end dates of any stipulations. That's why it says, give yourself to him. You, you give your all to him. Going back to marriage, the same way. When you walk down that aisle and you say, I do, you're giving yourself to that person. Through better or worse, sickness or health, richer or poor, right? That's the way it is. That's the way it is with us. We must fully surrender. Surrender is giving yourself, your thoughts, your plans, your abilities, your all to the Lord. Most of us are familiar with this scripture as well. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. When we stop depending and trusting in our own abilities is when the Lord can come in and truly help us. I've heard... Years ago, it said this way, you know, if your hands in the in the jar trying to make things happen, there's no room for the Lord's hand to be in there. We got to get our hands off of it and say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I'm tired of trying to work this out on my own. I surrender. You know, I thought about this and, and we've all seen or heard stories. You might have even have been a part of this. When someone's drowning and someone's, you know, paddling for dear life and they're drowning and someone else jumps in to help them what's the worst thing that person can do is 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 jump on that person try to still swim and try to do things when someone is drowning they jump in they try to calm them down and just tell them hey just take it easy and i'll do the work and pull you in right because if they start paddling kicking jumping on that person trying to grab them what happens they make it worse they both drown So that's a great illustration. When we're in a bind, when we're in our situation, and we're trying to kick and scream and panic our way out of it, the Lord said, hey, listen, why don't you surrender and let me do it? Why don't you let me do it? Because you know what? It's not going to work. It actually makes it worse. 
It makes it worse. Obviously, we do our part according to his leading, but we must surrender. Again, we, you know, especially us men, we're, we're, we're bad for this because, man, we can figure it out. We can do it. We got abilities, experience. We got willpower. We got a resolve. We can push through. We can self-motivate. We can do all these things. And you know what? Those attributes in itself can be great because we need that to be leaders and to lead our families and to go to work every day and push through and all that. That's great. But when it comes to when you're in a tight spot, you just got to let go. Like I said, if you, I had somebody that was very close to me, that is very close to me, thank God, is very close to me, and, and he got in a bind swimming in the ocean one day, and, and he had to humble himself and say, he asked, asked, asked a lady, humbled himself and said, you know what, ma'am, I'm struggling, could you help me? And, and, and he, the lady put it, he told me the story after, and he said, man, that was a, that was a humbling thing. He's very strong, business owner, leader, everything, and it was a humbling experience. But he, she gave him instruction. Okay, this is what I need you to do. I need you to get on your back. I need you to turn over. I'm going to grab you around your chest, and I'm just going to slowly pull you in. And he had to listen to everything and just surrender to this lady he didn't even know to basically save his life. Amen? How much more of the Lord that knows us, that, that knows us in exactly what we need, you know what? We don't know when the economy is going to pick back up, but he does. He sees what's coming down the pipe. You know, he saw 2016 before the, the earth was even created for the foundations of the earth. He had every calendar laid out. You know, I try to lay out my week on Sunday night. He laid out all of time before it even happened. It was laid out. Everything was already right. So we can trust him. We can trust him and totally surrender to him. So listen. Let me just say, let me stop and say that. I just feel like I need to say this. If you feel like you're drowning in some aspect of life, it's time to give up and let him go. Listen for his instruction. Because you maybe have tried everything you can do by paddling and kicking and, 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 you know, trying to get life rings from everybody else. Why don't you totally surrender to him and listen for his instruction for him to get you to the shore? Amen? The fourth thing is that we need to practice patience in hope. We need to practice patience in hope. Psalm 37, 7 says this, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. This is where a lot of, it a lot of us lose it right here. On that whole surrender, don't do it on your own. Okay, I'll wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on I'm going to let the Lord do it. It's been two days and the Lord ain't did it yet. He must want me to do something, right? It's hard. Patience. And I notice it more and more in our own life, it's, and especially in our society, the way our society is going, where you can pick up your phone and you can touch a button, and within seconds, you have all the information you want. And then what happens, that little circle keeps going, and nothing's popping on your screen. I'm like, man, what's wrong with the Wi-Fi? It's like, come on, it's been like 10 seconds, and it's not even loaded yet. Y'all, y'all, are y'all laughing because y'all just like me, right? You remember, we were talking about this the other day. You remember, and even whenever I was a kid, I'm only 38, but when I was a kid, you remember you had questions about something like, man, I wonder in World War II, this and that, oh, well, call Uncle so-and-so. He was in World War II. He would know, right? Or, hey, go get the encyclopedia. Let's look it up, right? You have to call, you know what? So-and-so knows that. Call him. He, he used to deal with horses. He used to cook. He used to, you know, he knows how. Now, what is it? Just boop, 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 boop. boom. That's how my Google sounds. I don't know how yours sounds, but but isn't it true? We the society has so like worked against us in the area of patience, right? Fast food, 
next day delivery. I mean, they're even using drones to deliver stuff to your house now, which that's kind of freaky. But I mean, everything's so quick. And it's, it's, it's hard for us to be patient sometimes, right? It's hard for us to be patient. But it says to be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently. I want to look at both parts of this scripture, of this verse, I'm sorry. In verse 7, we're in, yeah, verse 7. Listen, the more we're in his presence, the more hope will rise up in us. It says, be still in the presence of the Lord. We, we, we need to continue to pursue his presence. And the more we're in his presence, the more we experience him. Because when we're in his presence, his presence is him. It's his attributes. It's his character. And, and the more we, we get in his presence and remember who he is, we get in his word and begin to meditate on his word. Not on the stock market. Not on your 401k. Not on the oil field and oil prices. The more we meditate and get in his word, hope will arise. The, the, right now, if you do all those other things, your hope's going to plummet. Like the oil prices. Right? I'm not making light of that. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I know the majority of us here in Lafayette, the oil field is, is our bread and butter. So I'm not making, I've been praying. I got brothers specifically by name. My father-in-law got laid off in the oil field. And, and I know it, it's, it, like Pastor Todd said yesterday, we probably all know somebody in our families that have been affected by what's going on right now in the economy. But you know what? That's the thing. The Bible says that he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is set on him. See, that's where the peace comes when we fix our mind on the Lord, not on the circumstances. And we do that in his presence. It's when we get into his presence, you begin to fix your mind on him, on his word, on who he is, on his attributes. On You know, like I said, I, I love there's a new song. I, might have, I probably said it the last couple of weeks, but it says we can. Uh, he says, I trust your heart and your intentions. I love that. We, we can trust the Lord in an unstable world, in an unstable society, in an unstable economy. Man, the Lord is so stable. The more we spend time in his presence, the more hope will arise. We need to let the Lord be God rather than taking matters into our own hands. You know, there's a great, great picture of this, you know, and it just, it, this piggybacks off of, again, the last one, surrendering to, and then being patient. So again, it, it, we have to be patient and, and surrender no matter how long it takes. Like they said, the Lord is always on time. Like some people say, he's never early, but he's never late either, right? You know, sometimes it's like, come on, Lord, do I have to sweat it out every time? Can you just, you know, but they say the Lord's never late, but he's never early. He's always right on time. But, but there's a great a picture. Every time I read this story in 1 Samuel, it always just reminds me, oh, Lord, I don't, and, and I know we do this and we have done this. In 1 Samuel, Saul's the king of Israel at this time. And I want to read the story. It's a quite a few verses, but, but it's so, so, you know, right on about patience. King Saul is uh, the king of Israel, and the Israelites and the Philistines are about to line up for battle, but the, the Philistines have vastly outnumbered. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, you know, it lists the chariots, charioteers, and then it said the warriors as, as the sand of the seashore. The rider of that, you know, sand was just like, I can't even, I mean, just like, it looks like sand, you know. That's how many people it was. He couldn't even try to calculate it. So Saul and his men were in a bind. Saul's in a bind, and we'll see apparently Samuel said, hey, wait there before you go to battle. I'll come down and I'll sacrifice and ask the Lord's help before y'all go into battle. So that's where we're going to pick up the story. First Samuel chapter 13 and verse 7, it says this. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. 
Saul waited there seven days for Samuel as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel did not come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. Listen, and Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Listen to this. Just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. I bet you his heart sank like, really? Like right when he was done, Samuel shows up. Again, never early, right on time. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. And Samuel said, what is it you've done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal. And I haven't even asked the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Listen to Samuel's response. How foolish. He actually said, how foolish, he, exclamation point. Samuel came, exclaimed, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, which is David. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. Man, that decision to be impatient and take things into his own hands and makes it clear, cost all the whole kingdom. The whole kingdom of Israel, because of these last two points, he took things into his own hands. He was not patient. And again, y'all, if we're not patient, you know, God has something awesome for us. When we're youth pastors and, you know, you're dealing with teenagers, so you got hormones going all over the place. So they're all like liking and dating and wanting to marry and he's the one. And, and I, you know, we used to teach, wait for the one, wait for the one. That, that thing kind of partially backfired on us. Because, you know, then after that, look, Lynn's like, oh, I know. She's like, after that, you have a bunch of teenagers running around saying, I think he's the one. I think he's like, you had five ones already. You know, it, I don't think so. Let's just wait. Wait on the Lord, you know. It didn't really backfire, but that's what would happen. You know, that's, that's the Christianese way of saying, I like him and I want to date him. I think he's the one, you know. But we would always tell them, wait on God's best. Don't settle for second best. But we can say that in our own lives. I, like, like him, you might be in a very tight situation right now. And it's, it's, it's easy to want to take things into your own hands and like, man, I can't wait on the Lord anymore. Listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He has your best interest in mind. Not second best. God don't work on it. I guess that'll do. No, he don't work that. I guess that'll do that. That'll be good enough. God has a best for you. You might be single in here and you that might be a word for you in your walk. You might be, you know, maybe you're a little bit older than a teenager. And you're like, yeah, brother, I've been praying and desiring the same thing you desired for years. Let me encourage you. Wait on God's best. Because believe me, like Saul, when it comes to relationships, we've seen many of people settle and it costs them dearly. It costs them dearly. But it might be your job. It might be a situation. It might be a relationship. Listen, it often happens when things get tight, we take matters into our own hands. And right after that, you know, God makes a provision and it's too late. We've already made a move and we saw like, oh, man, if I would have just waited. And y'all ever been there? You waited, waited, waited. You made a decision and then something better came behind, but it was too late. You ever? Has that ever happened in your life? 
I believe it's similar to that, you know, where the Lord had something coming down the pipe. Just wait, hold on, hold on. And right at the last minute, right before the Lord came through his belt, we took things into our own hands and messed up. Now listen, you know, it might not cost us as much as it cost Saul, but I don't want to take the chance. How about you? It might not cost us our, our, our family, a marriage, a career, whatever, but I don't want to take the t- chance. Listen, practice patience in hope. When that hope rises up, see, listen, the more hope you have, the easier it's going to be to be patient. And that's the key. The more hope that rises up in you, the more hope you have in the Lord and that the Lord will come through at just the right time, the easier it will be to be patient. Amen? I know it's not, I know it's not always easy. We need the grace of God, but be patient. Be patient. And then the last and final thing that uh, David instructs us about uh, trusting and and and. and we might have never, I don't know if you ever correlated, the, and even me, you know, uh, connected the two. But number five is we need to avoid anger and aggravation. We need to avoid anger and aggravation. Some of y'all just got aggravated with me when I said that. Look at Psalm 37, 7 and 8. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Now follow me here. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. Why? It only leads to harm. It only leads to harm. Listen, you might want to write this down. Anger and aggravation quickly corrodes character. Let me say that again. Anger and aggravation quickly corrodes character. It will quickly corrode the Christ-like character in your life. And listen, he says, don't worry or fret about evil people. A lot of times that's, we'll get angry you know, at, at people. Look, I'm going to just, I'm going to go here again because I just feel like I need to, I said it before. Especially in an election year, I see so many Christians getting angry at politicians. I hear them on the radio. I don't listen to it often, but I hear it on the radio. I see Facebook posts, and people are just getting so frustrated with politicians, especially. And listen, I know how easy it can be, but listen, and, and I know that they have wicked schemes. I understand. You can put politicians right here in the middle of this verse. That evil people that have wicked schemes, but it says don't worry, don't fret, don't get irritated, aggravated, and angry with them. Turn from your rage. You know, it might not be a politician. It might be some other. I I notice, again, Christians get aggravated with lost people. Oh, man, I can't believe the, the wickedness and this and that. They're lost. What do you expect? We were like that before we got saved. And I'm glad people didn't get aggravated and frustrated and raged at me but had compassion and love. I'm not saying we got to condone it or justify it. Hear me out. That's not what I'm saying. But the Bible says that any anger and aggravation and rage and getting irritated is not going to help them and it's definitely not going to help you. It's only going to harm you. So uh, again, whether it be politicians, people that are affecting the all field, the economy, all that, Getting mad is not going to change the situation. You ever notice that? I can tell because I got mad. I've gotten mad over football games so many times and they still lost. Right? 
It doesn't, it doesn't help. It does not help. I mean, I saw a guy, this is people, I mean, I, I've gotten angry at some football games. I saw a Carolina Panthers fan go off, broke his TV off, took the TV off the wall, smashed it, took a chair, smashed it. I mean, just like went crazy. And I was just like, oh, wow, that could be me if I don't check myself. Like, really? I mean, over a game, like, and I'm confessing my sins. I know I, I've, I've told y'all plenty of times. It doesn't change the situation. It only harms you. It only harms you. It goes for anyone, no matter who it is or what it is. Stop being angry. Stop getting enraged at people. It might be your wife. It might be your kids. I know they're little blessings. But they can get you angry, can't they? Somebody say amen. Don't make me feel like I'm the only one. I love my kids dearly, but can't they get under your nerves? Right? Okay. Thank you. But it's true. It could be our wife, our kids, our employer, our employees. It could be the person sitting across the aisle from you. We need to stop getting so angry and aggravated. Look at what Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Listen. This is the key. This verse right here, I'm glad it's up there by itself. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You play right into the devil's hands when you get angry. He got you. He got you. A foothold. The door, it slides the door open. He's able to put his foot right in there like, oh, I got an open door right here. It plays right into the enemy's hands. And I know I've been there. I've, I've, I've used the saying, yeah, but brother, it's a righteous anger. Jesus got angry. You ain't Jesus, man, okay? Jesus was perfect. Don't, don't, I've tried to use it too and I still messed up, okay? I still messed up, right? Because I try to use that and you know how I messed up? You know how I know it wasn't a righteous anger? Because I tell my wife. Next time you say you have righteous anger, ask your wife. Because I've done it and my wife has been like, no, no. You ain't acting righteous at all. And so I was like, okay, then I got to go repent. Listen, I know anger is an emotion that, that, is, that, that the Lord has given us. I know the emotion of anger is something that the Lord has given us. That's why it says, sin but do not, you know, be, be, ang- be angry but do not sin. Don't let sin control you. Listen, he starts talking about rage. I mean, anger and, and rage and, and things that, again, that you can't even... You can't do anything right. I heard Tim Tebow say this one time. I refuse to worry about things that I cannot control. And I remember because I was like, it was during a halftime or something. It was it was somewhere around a football game that I was watching, and and I, I and, and I was kind of worried and losing my peace over this football game. And I heard Tim Tebow say that, and I'm like, man, I need to put that into action, whether it be from football to politics to the economy and everything in between. Most of that stuff, guys, we can't control it anyway. Why get so mad about it? Why get so aggravated? It's just going to give the devil an open door and an opportunity to work in your life, with your sp- uh, between you and your spouse, you and your kids, employees, other brothers and sisters. Man, I see it, you know, where people are angry, mad, backbiting, fighting. I've said this many times before, but it was just brought to the forefront again. Just last week, uh, um, Great man of God went to be with the Lord. Pastor Roy Stocksdale was 97 years old. He went to be with the Lord. 
founding pastor at Bethany in Baton Rouge. His son, Pastor Larry, took over. Now, Pastor Larry's son, Jonathan, is a pastor, just a legacy of great godly men. And, and, and uh, Pastor Todd went to the service, and uh, Pastor Larry talked about five things I learned from my dad. You can actually go read it. It's awesome. I encourage you to. LarryStocksdale.com on his blog. You can go check it out. And he talks about the five things that my dad taught me. I learned from my dad. And one of them, and you've heard me say it before, one of the things that he says he learned from his dad, that his dad told him, was that people are not your enemy. People are not your enemy. That's, and that's basically what David and what Paul is saying here in Ephesians. Listen, you know what? When you start looking at people and getting angry and raged and aggravated with them, you, you, you lose it. You lose sight of the true enemy. Take that anger that is an emotion and, 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 and put it to, gear it towards who he goes to, right? Which is the enemy. We have one enemy, and his name's Satan, right? And I've said this before, too. I heard another man of God said, listen, and he was actually, again, I'm, I'm going to get back on the politics. He was talking in the context of politics. He said, remember, we fight against principalities, not personalities. When we get aggravated, we go after people because we get aggravated with their personality or what they stand for or their wicked schemes. But we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So avoid anger and aggravation. Because you know what? That'll rob you from trusting in the Lord. If you're getting mad at somebody, you're not trusting in the Lord. You're not trusting that the Lord can change that person, change that circumstance. You're ultimately depending on that person to change the circumstance, and that's why you're getting aggravated with them. Or because a person maybe has altered your situation. And what we're saying is, Lord, I, I don't trust you that you can't either reverse, turn around, or override what this person has done. That was good right there. That was, that was straight unction. I didn't have that in my notes. But that's the truth of the matter. That's why, again, this is five dimensions to trust in the Lord. So we need to turn from aggravation and anger. Amen? How many of y'all still aggravated with me? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm going to close right here. Psalm 37, 16 and 18 says this. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich. Can I get an amen with that? For the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? This was later in Psalms 37. That whole, that whole chapter, that whole book is awesome. I encourage you to read the whole, the whole uh, I'm sorry, the whole chapter of Psalm 37, because he keeps going back and forth Basically, what we talked about tonight and what he's saying here, listen, the Lord takes care of the godly. I don't know where you're at. Again, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you had a pay cut. Maybe, you, you know, you're in a bind, you know, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. The Lord's going to take care of us. He goes on to say, and in Psalm 37 is where he says, I've been young and been old. He said, but I've, I've never seen the godly forsaken or their children begging for bread. And David saw a lot of stuff in his, in his lifetime. And that's still true today. He will take care of us in the midst of the famine, in the midst of an economic downturn or low oil prices or crazy politicians and what they're doing. The Lord knows how to take care of his children. Amen? He will take care of us in every situation. And then it says, we will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. He's talking about heaven. Because you see, he was encouraging uh, the, the people of Israel, like, listen, don't, again, we started with saying, don't envy the wicked. It's better to have little and be godly than be rich and be, and be evil. 
So he's saying, listen, even if you never get a huge monetary inheritance on this earth, you're going to have an inheritance that's way better and it's going to last for eternity. Amen? We have to continue to focus on the realities of heaven. But we must trust in him to get that internal everlasting inheritance we got to surrender. We got to trust in Christ. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's, let's, let's pray. Maybe you want to go over all of these again. And, and we're going to pray about all of these. But first and foremost, whatever head bowed, every eye closed, have you trusted in the Lord for that inheritance? That inheritance being eternal life. Again, if you crossed over to the other side tonight, what would you get that inheritance? The inheritance, the blessing of spending eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God our Father. If you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't even know if I'm right with God. I don't know. I've never trusted in the Lord because I don't know the Lord. And I don't know if I'm even right with God. If, if I'm going to get that an inheritance, that eternal, eternal inheritance of heaven that you talk about. But I want to make sure before we leave tonight that I do, that I'm right with God. If that's you tonight, you say, Brandon, I need to ask God to forgive me my sins and get right with him. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you before we leave tonight. If that's you, you say, man, I need to get right with Jesus. I see your hand over there, man. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Anybody else? Say, man, I need to get right. I, I, I want to sure up my inheritance. All right. Praise the Lord. Come on. For my brother that has his hand up and anybody else, I just want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would save me. I pray that you forgive me. I pray you set me free. Lord, I trust you. I look to you. And I ask that you give me the strength and give me the grace to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, I, I want to go through these real quickly. Come on, have you been trusting in the Lord? Have you been dealing with anger, rage, aggravation? Come on, ask the Lord to forgive you. Come on, everybody's head bowed and still closed. Come on, we've got a few minutes and I'll release you. Come on, take some inventory. Come on, that, we're, this is the altar call right now. Just make an altar before the Lord right where you're at. Do you need to repent of anger, of aggravation, of rage? Have you been patient with the Lord? Have, it, have you been moving on your own? Have you, have you been patient in hope? Have you taken things into your own hands? Ask the Lord to forgive you and give you grace to wait upon him. Are you totally surrendered? You might be saved but not surrendered. You can make Jesus your, your, your Savior but not your Lord. Have you totally surrendered and, like it says, given yourself to him fully? If not, surrender tonight. Give it all to him, y'all. Have you delighted yourself in the Lord? Maybe you have some desires but you haven't fully aligned yourself with his will for your life. Come on, align yourself with the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And is there any envy or any jealousy in your life? If there is, come on, I want you to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you right now. And just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I have envied. I've, I've been jealous of other people, of what they have or what they're doing. And Lord, I ask that you forgive me. I want to fully trust in you. I don't want to envy other people's things. I know that you are our provider and that you can provide everything that we need, Lord. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord. We want to trust you. We want to trust you fully and wholeheartedly. We want to look to you in life situations, in our doubts, and our questions. Lord, help us to always respond and arise the wise way of totally, fully trusting you with our lives and with our all. Lord, we love you. 
We need you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, you can go ahead and, and, and come up here. If not, y'all have a great evening. See y'all later.